Coming to you live from the second floor of Parkview Studios, this is The Brothers Catch-Up, your weekly podcast where two brothers come together for a general conversation where we just catch up. This week, usually we would start with football. Uh, don't want to do that. I don't know if you do. You didn't introduce me, so I'm not even here. Well, I didn't introduce me either, so who knows who we are. Oh, God. I'm Sal. Frankie. <laughs> the Piazzi <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> Idiot. All right. Um, yeah, football is not crazy interesting to me today. We played the best team in football. We lost. Almost didn't lose, but we did. We were really hurt. Now but our playoff chances are tough. It's still in our hands, but there's no need to dwell on it. I think that obviously... We're, we were the inferior team in this game, so there's no reason. If we had better players, we would have won. We, I said it last week. I'll say it again. Tua Tungvaloa, best rookie QB in the league. So nice. He's absolutely It's so nice to have him on the team. Really support you, Tua. You're doing everything. Don't change it all. Not on him. Just keep playing the football you're playing. It's fantastic. Really like it. Really big fans here, Tua. All right, so since Sorry. we don't want to talk about football. Here's what I do want to talk about. Okay. Um... We kind of got into this in the earlier episodes, but we never really addressed it yet. And I think this is a good episode where we can kind of dive deep into our personal politics and get more into why it is we wanted to talk about this. To record these conversations. Yeah, so this will be like just really politic heavy. Yeah. Where we stand on things, how we got to where we are. But like more of an overview. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really good. Because I think... There are so many opinions out there, and obviously I feel like I'm probably one of the most opinionated people in the world. I know people hate that. But, I mean, the only thing we have if are our opinions. And why do we feel the way that we feel, I think, is interesting. So, I would say, going back to 2015, I think that's where we should start. Because those were the... When I moved home from New Jersey, because I lived in Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. And we were... Back at our parents' house, we had a summer or two where we just kind of hung out late night in the summers following the Bernie Sanders movement. Mm-hmm. Um, we, were and both, we were both really committed to that movement. Trying to unseat the current established political powers of the United States of America using nothing other than the power of our voices on social media. Memes. Memes and our votes. Yeah. Like, that was all we had. And yeah. we managed to do it in the end with Trump, but what got us there, do you think? What got us Trump, or what got us... Well, what was it about Bernie Sanders that I think was it for you that made you um, like him? Because I remember... Okay, so yeah. for me, obviously in our, our both our lives and our political followings, you have always been the one who's more involved and more aware of things going on. I'm less, still most more than I'd say like your average person. Um, but I think Bernie was just the natural next step of the Democratic Party at the time. I was considered a Democrat um, back in high school. Like I remember it felt like no one really was a Democrat or no one cared about politics. And I was very openly like a Democrat. I remember fighting with people on Twitter when during Obama's uh, re-election. And then when it was time for the next... I had voted for Obama in 2012. So then come 2016, this is what I felt like was my first true election. Because like, I kind of thought the Obama was in the bag. Like, he really didn't have a chance to lose that. 
And so the Democrats had rolled out Hillary Clinton, and I remember being like, well, I don't like her. Like, I don't – now I'm a little bit younger. I'm 25, so, like, I don't, I don't care about Bill Clinton and any of her history. All I know from her is the things I know, and plus, like, her time as uh, Secretary of State. And then a few books I've read, like Clinton Cash, that go into all her dealings. So I don't, I don't like her. It makes no sense to run her out as the nominee. Then there was Bernie Sanders, someone who was felt like so far in my lifetime there's only been two politicians, or maybe three, who have who have felt like they've talked to me. Yeah. Bernie Sanders in 2016, one of them, and then Trump. Um, the third maybe Tulsi. Tulsi kind of talks. Love to Tulsi. Me. But Bernie, it felt like Bernie was speaking to me and to the, all the people who felt like me, right? Like, we're Democrats, but we're part of this party, and there's other people in this party who we want to push out, like these older Democrats who are way more center, and we wanted to push this thing further left. We want it to go progressive. Bernie was going to offer that. He was going to offer the universal health care. He was going to offer uh, an answer to college and just a few different things, and it was exciting, and it felt like this was the the new direction that the Democratic Party was going to go. Yeah, and they eventually, I mean, looking back, they did go that way, but they went more heavy in the social justice aspect than the yes. policy aspect so far. But even still, I think the Bernie Sanders 2016 populism came out of direct response to what the Obama administration was. Like, they ran on hope and change twice, and by the end of the second administration, anyone who was actually in touch with the liberal movements that had come before, you know, if you were following Occupy Wall Street, or if you were yeah, the anti-war one. movement of the mid-2000s, if you were right, in those groups, you got pushed out by the Obama Yeah, and that's the other thing, right? It's like, I knew of the drone strikes, thanks to Glenn Greenwald and The Intercept, right? The... Mm-hmm. The drone files that talk about Obama's administration, how brutal they were in the Middle East, and their foreign policy was abysmal. Yeah. And as someone at the time who considered myself firmly on the left, I didn't want war. Bernie Sanders seemed like the the choice, the go to, the anti war. He, was, he was, remember remember the Hillary Clinton, what we what we said was if she won, it was almost like immediate war with Russia. Because well, she was yeah. gonna install that no fly zone. In Syria. Yep. That that whole Syrian war was one of the... I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this today because when we're talking about things that woke you up to corruption in the United States government, nothing did it for me more than following the sequence of events in the Middle East across my adult life. Like, when you go track the line from 9-11 to where we are today... And look at the the amount of suffering caused in the Middle East in it's the justification so of terrorism, of ending terrorism. The terrorists are the military-industrial complex of these Western governments, primarily the United States. And they're empowered by politicians like Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and, that's what's and so, Barack Obama. I don't want to get into it right now, but that's what's so frustrating about the impending Joe Biden presidency and the people he's putting back into power. It's like these interventionist people who... We're just gonna we're just gonna redo everything we've done and just terrorize the Middle East for no reason other well, than their their pockets. They went further. Like the idea that you're gonna put a board member of Raytheon 
to lead the Pentagon. It's like you've just dropped the veneer that you used to have because it's always been corrupt. Because, uh, well, it's always been corrupt. Yes, and I, the system itself. Remember again, the rejection of the neoconservative governing establishment that was headed by the Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, John Kerry intelligentsia of Washington D.C. That establishment was rejected. They were Correct. the ones who were benefiting and building this lobbying mechanism that completely disregards the actual will of the people in favor of corporate profit which, and big, you know, big yes. corporations and industries. Which is why, if this election stands, they can drop that veneer. Well, they already because are. Because it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, they because already Because they are. have now cemented themselves. They will never lose power. Nothing that can happen we'll take them out especially so now we're all just living in this world where it's like all right we can all ignore it go about our lives and just live the best we can until it all comes collapsing <laughs> down sooner than later at some point so like I, I guess that's what we're in but yeah so let's go let's continue let's go back and kind of so how did we get here it's funny because i canvass for bernie sanders i say that all the time because i think that gives me a little bit of credibility that i'm not just some right winger like no. it's not about conservative politics for me like i don't care about that very much what it is about is ripping control of this system away from the people who have held control for generations now and they are deeply embedded in every institution and agency of our government so it's a horrifying thought and and the notion they have so much power yeah the notion that there's no deep state remember the media tells you one thing but your eyes and your ears and your just regular old brain, like I don't care how smart you think you are, can tell you a different story if you just pay attention to what's actually happening around you. The media is an extension of this apparatus of control that keeps people oblivious to the actual atrocities that are well, being committed in our name. Well, look at what's going on right now with the Biden Hunter Biden laptop. This is horrifying. It's crazy. <laughs> we were talking about this Three weeks before the election. Yeah. And everyone was calling us crazy. You're a nut And now here we are after the election. Oh, yeah. Biden's under investigation. And it's all real. And it's like, this is what we were saying. Well, and I, the media ran cover for it so they could get him in and win. And now it's too late. And I don't know if it's just they're so disjointed that they can't keep it under wraps long enough to make it so that they can actually get to inauguration before it all spills out. Or if they really don't care and they do want Kamala Harris to be in office. But Kamala Harris is implicated in a lot of this shish stuff. Shit. You can say shit. I know. <laughs> but she's implicated because look at the stuff that's coming out with China, which we've been talking about for years. Remember? Bang, bang. The Awan Brothers scandal broke before the 2016 election. And yep. I was like a lunatic. Like they have Pakistani spies working in the IT department of the Democratic wing of Congress. This can't stand. And, and nothing, four years went by. Nothing happened. And it's fine. So like we're okay with a lot of shit. We're willing to put up a lot of shit. Then Diane Feinstein gets busted. Her limo driver and personal assistant for 20 years is a Chinese spy. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. No big deal. Eric Swalwell, for years, dating a Chinese spy. Her father and brother are still friends with her on Facebook. This week, after the story breaks, they're liking pictures of her. She is very pretty. Because it doesn't they matter. don't care. But it's, it's blatant at this point. Because they know there's half of this country... That, that will don't that they will defend it. them they won't question them and they have them under their finger and they're asleep at and the it's wheel. always a right wing conspiracy being led theory. to slaughter 
and they're smiling about it. They're and meanwhile, people like us are, are trying to just – I'm not even trying to change anything. I would love for someone on the other side to just open your eyes to it and tell me – instead of just calling me a Nazi, a racist, a right-wing conspiracy theorist, any of those names. Let's just address what's actually happening. But it never happens. No one will actually address it. And it's on both sides of the aisle. Like, the issue is on both sides of the aisle. But but at the same time, it's the California Democrats right now that are caught up in this ring. And that's and, and who's a bigger California Democrat than Ka- Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi? Like, the center of the Democrat Party are the politicians coming out of California. Yeah. So if the Chinese so, Communist Party has compromised them... Let's, but let's... We keep jumping. It makes sense. We keep jumping back to Yeah, now, now we're let's, in the current day. So let's keep going back. Let's You're go right. back. Back to Bernie. Bernie. You canvas for Bernie. Yes. The, the idea behind Bernie was let's get rid of the establishment stink that, that is, is on all Washington, D.C. Yeah. In, and in he was saying politics. he was saying that. That's what yes. he remembered. And I'm not Remember, the first person to point this out. But the millionaires? The millionaires and billionaires. He doesn't say the millionaires anymore. Now it's it's true. It's just yeah. the billionaire. Because he's now a millionaire because of his, his book and... Look, taking would, money from the Democratic Party. I would love to be a millionaire. Yeah. It has nothing to do with that to me. It is a class war, though. And the, at the very top of this society, and not this society meaning the United States, but this society meaning the human society of global uh, proportion, is ruled by a very small group of people who make very important decisions at the cost and consequence of us. So we have to be diligent in how we question what's being decreed to us from them like this vaccine from here we go again jumping back to the future like this vaccine from bill gates yeah so let's i I want to ask you a question sure so back when bernie's gaining traction he's starting to build his audience me and you are gung-ho let's go i thought he was actually gonna do it thought he had on the other side forget hillary clinton on the other side you have a republican primary going on with like 18 candidates it's a big joke and donald fucking trump and at that time, any idea what your thoughts on Trump were? Do you remember? Yes, I do. Because, because I, and Facebook reminds me of my statuses about Trump. I was working for a news outlet at the time, doing news-related things. And I remember specifically the Bill Maher incident with Ann Coulter when she was like, oh, you know, it's going to be Donald Trump, and everyone made fun of her. And my thought was, no fucking way Donald Trump is going to win the primary. I was, I was sure they were going to hand it to Jeb Bush. Yep. But this is how naive, yep. and it gets a good example, warning for Democrats, because I was like a lot of Democrats out there, because my thought was they were going to hand it to Jeb Bush because the Republicans are corrupt. But I really, truly believe that Bernie had a chance of winning an uncorrupt Democrat primary. And what turned out to happen was Donald Trump won a primary just by sheer force of who he is. And is, Bernie campaigning and... had one completely stolen from him yes. in the most corrupt manner I could ever imagine. The superdelegates are only in existence to control who the winner of the Democratic primary is. Like, it's a complete yes. joke. Remember remember back in, during that primary, the, the amount of people that after that primary, after they, they lost... Um, Debbie Wasserman Schultz... Immediately wasn't the head of the DNC anymore. Um, there was the CNN debate question scandal with Donna Brazil. Yes. Like, they were actively working for Hillary Clinton. Yes. The Democratic Party, the, the DNC is supposed to work with, without helping one campaign or the other. And not to mention, and this happened in the 2016 election, it happened in the 2018 midterms, it happened in 2020. 
But the Democrat candidate doesn't do well with actual in-person voting. Why? Because no one's actually voting for their candidate. The 2016 primary was a good example because you have the caucuses. And Bernie Sanders would win every caucus, like 90 to nothing. When people showed up, and then, Bernie won in a landslide. <laughs> and then mail-in votes would show up from every nursing which, home in the, in the which area. Which is why it's still, it's still mind-boggling to me that like they thought Hillary could win the general election. Well, they thought they could do what they did in 2020. They didn't have an, They didn't cover the margin in 2016. No, because Trump won by a lot, and in debt. And what happened in 2016 was they were doing all the same tactics on the same shitty systems that could be manipulated. But, but they didn't know how. They didn't much, have enough ballots. They didn't. And they all didn't you know, need is the actual ballots. Yeah, and they didn't know how much they actually need it. And not for nothing, in 2016, we knew that night we didn't have to stop the. Yeah. We didn't have to we stop have to in the drag it out to wake up to, oh, that's crazy. So, I mean, yeah, but... Um, but Bernie Sanders was actually representative of a wing of the Democratic Party that was completely dissatisfied with yes. the Democratic establishment. And and we said, so back to the Trump thing, because I, I remember, I mean, I, I hated Trump. I was a Trump hater. Call yeah. him a racist. Go back. Check my Facebook. Hated, hated him. Thought he was racist. Thought he was Islamophobia. Had all these d- dumb ideas that, like, I didn't know. I didn't have any facts behind them. I just knew that's what everyone else was saying. Gut I didn't feelings. like who he was. I didn't see him. When I when he spoke, I was like, eh. But once he won, I said, if Bernie doesn't win, I'm going Trump over Clinton, a hundred percent. I thought Trump you were crazy. Green Party. I went to. You have to burn it down. I went to two Green Party meetings, planning a hundred percent. Like I had the Jill Stein. I was gonna go canvas for Jill Stein. I had buttons and flyers and bumper stickers, and what happened was I watched literally two rallies of Trumps on back-to-back nights. One in Michigan. Maybe it wasn't back-to-back nights, but one was in Michigan and one was in Ohio, and. I heard what he had to say about trade, and one of the big reasons, the three big issues for me were, for Bernie, were trade, it was um, war, scaling back foreign war, and it was calling out the corruption of the system. Yep. And I heard all three of those things from Donald Trump on back-to-back night and rallies. I was like, you said, whoa. Oh, all right, cool. They're like, like the same guy. And <laughs> I liked Trump's stance on trade better because I'm not a big fan because Bernie is still too globalist for me. Yes. Like Bernie's policies are still too focused on us being reliant on the government and the government being a global government, not a United States government. Donald Trump, I really like the idea of focusing more on the national homeland. You know, we're sending for the last 20 years trillions of dollars away in wars. It might be time to put that money into our own infrastructures, into our own education systems, into our own everything. But you know that's just that's now, crazy talk. yeah now when i first that's conspiracy theory. when i first made that switch to like okay we know it's not gonna be bernie yeah so therefore i i'm at that point i'm a trump supporter but i'm a trump supporter and just like i'm not paying attention to anything i'm gonna vote for trump i don't care about anything i didn't even know any of his policies at that point i didn't care that's how much i was against the democratic establishment remember at that time we had the wikileaks emails the Pizzagate rumors, oh, the spirit So it's cooking. funny. So I have, I have, it's so funny that I have an actual, you know how like you remember certain things because something happened on your day? Yeah. So me and Amanda were in, on vacation in Marco Island. And I remember we had just got, we were back into the hotel room, like maybe after dinner, the debate was on between Bernie and Hillary. And it was the debate where Bernie stops and says, 
enough about her emails. And I remember oh. go. I remember standing up and looking at the team, and I said, "Good job, Bernie. Forget about these emails." That thinking back to me saying that, sick to my stomach. Forget about the emails. Those emails. Those so important. Those emails are so important to everything I stand for today, everything I believe today, everything I hate about the Democratic establishment and the Republican establishment and the establishment in general stems from those emails. Because those emails woke me up to a world of corruption that I didn't think was possible. And propaganda. Remember, the emails represent, and Benghazi to a certain extent, represent a good microcosm of, of how the media establishment sort of attacks and smears their enemy while they're in defense mode. So, like, the emails became this thing of, you know, heightened conspiracy theory. You're a nut job if you're worried about it. But... What separates what Hillary Clinton did from other scandals that had predated her and come even pa- uh, after about emails and all that is that Hillary Clinton, we can go through it again, it's all, it's all old news, but she had a dedicated server in her own house, not a, like a private uh, account or something on Google that she's using for her uh, personal information. She's using government She's mixing her government and personal information by using one server that's essentially not protected with any sort of firewall and existent in her basement. And then what was bad about it was that when she was subpoenaed to give the emails that were on that server, she deleted them. She didn't turn them over. She was subpoenaed and she deleted them. And then on top of all that, on this server that exists in like the closet of the bathroom in the basement of her house, on top of all of that, on it is classified information and some of that classified information is like top secret information and some of that classified information is stuff that is what we call special access programs special access programs that only exist in the hard copy they're not even digitized so it takes a deliberate effort to get those things from a skiff where they're protected under your your fiance has i don't even know how much i'm allowed to say about it Yes, but she has careful. some kind of clearance. She has, a, she has a security clearance. And she knows what it means to work with information that's kept in and around a skiff. Correct. And, and could you imagine if it ended up on a, she, on your laptop, on this Apple computer? She, she has said, <laughs> like, so at the time, she didn't know what happened. I didn't really even know what happened until right after, and I started learning. And over time, Amanda's gotten more involved in, you know, like explaining to her what happened with the the emails and Amanda's eyes were like, well, like, <laughs> like you can't, you can't do you that. You can't do it's that. It's like, a, it's a no-no. It's a big no-no. But if it were anyone else, they'd be punished to the full extent of the law, which is 100%. very severe. 100%. And because it was Hillary Clinton, she wasn't punished at all. And she was the Secretary of State and it was the most top secret information. So I have to believe that that's deliberate. So what's important here about the emails, um, Besides them showing that she mishandled classified information, besides the things that were in the emails that led us to question a bunch of things, um, it's also this, the, the start of Russia. The emails, that was the spin. That was what they – like, all right. Russia she, did Hillary's it. Hillary's caught with these emails. Russia did it. That was their answer. Well, four years later, you know who was in the news recently this past week? I know we're jumping to the present, but... No, who? Take a wild guess. Julian Assange. No, but good guess. But he was, he was also... Donald Trump pardoned Julian Assange. Julian Come Assange on. had uh, his extradition hearing. 
but that's not what I was referencing. Seth Rich. Because the FBI came out and said I that they... I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about <laughs> Seth Rich. The FBI, four years later, listen to how... This is why I'm telling you, man. I, this is just a plea from the bottom of my heart to anyone out there who really believes that they're an open-minded, free-thinking individual. Like, just use your critical thinking brain. I'm going to lay out a series of facts for you. All right? There's like one, literally one, homicide in Washington, D.C. that involves a white man that's been unsolved in five, like the last five years or a decade, something like that, it's Seth Rich. Seth Rich was mugged. It was a, a botched gun, mugging. A botched mugging in which his wallet Nothing was, found was missing. His wallet was found on him. The FBI went into his house to take his laptop, then for four years denied having his laptop, only for this week to come out and say, actually, we do have his laptop. So do we want to real quick talk about Seth Rich? Because I'm assuming there's... Well, we kind of are. It, no, no, but I'm, I'm saying, like, let's really talk about Seth Rich. Because I'm assuming a lot of people listening to this podcast has never, have never even heard the name Seth Rich before. Maybe, but let's just finish the sequence of events here. Okay. Because the FBI just this week says, we do have his laptop. And not only do we have his laptop, we have 20,000 different documents and files and records mentioning Seth Rich. And we're just now going to start... We're, we can't release his laptop because... We're actually going to start uh, taking. We're in the process of taking documents off it. You've had it for four years. Now, okay. So let's. So, so who let's is go Seth back, Rich? So let's go back to the emails, the email leak that they blamed on Russia. Yes. What we knew before they did the what's the uh, the seven intelligence agencies of all or 17, 17, 17 and that was a lie. Agencies we know it was. It was that Russia. was John Brennan. James Clapper and James Comey. Those were the 17 intelligence agencies. And we knew then. That's what they, that was their word. And why is it that we knew, because you're about to say, we knew then that that was kind of bullshit. Well, but yes. why did we know? Because just prior to that, in a, wasn't in another WikiLeaks that was released? That this, was it the CIA or the FBI? That their hacking abilities was released? Well, that was after. Yes. All right, so the, that's... Additionally, yeah. that was the Vault Zero release that the CIA has all these tools. They could essentially mask any hack in the world. So if you're a hacker, right, you could essentially be able to hack into someone's software and then make it look like China did it or Russia did it like you or Germany did it or whoever. Me, yes. Yeah, you can leave the bread trail. But not only that, you can make it look like you were trying to make it look like someone was trying to make it look like one of those countries was doing yes. it. So you could essentially make it look like Russia was trying to make China look like they were hacking into your software. So it can be even deeper so than that. But they lost security on all those tools. Yes. And they ended up essentially on 4chan. Like anyone could download those tools. and So you don't know who hacked anything. There's no. So when they put out that statement... In the statement, it said, we have high confidence that these things are true. But it was if you read the document that they were essentially basing and wretched on, that CIA report, it was essentially just a four-page book report on the RT and how Russia today was somehow this malevolent force on our democracy, which now, four years later, in hindsight, looks like a, a joke because the United States media and their power and how they've used it against the conservative cause or against Donald Trump versus what RT was capable of ever doing against Hillary Clinton is a joke. It's crazy. And what, and what Clapper and Brennan and Comey were all attesting to, we know now 
were basically lies. And they said under oath that they knew there was no evidence, but on TV for years said that Trump is a Russian asset. So we know that. And then Julian Assange comes out and says, it wasn't Russia. I'm not going to name who it was. But I'm offering a reward for the murder of Seth Rich. I'm offering a reward for the murder of Seth Rich. Yes, he says it. But also, we, before that, know it was most likely an internal leak. It was not a hack. It was an internal leak. There's two or three different really great sources that you can read into um, onto how the data transferred from the DNC to WikiLeaks and to the Guccifer 2.0 leaks couldn't have possibly been done via hacking from like Russia across the ocean. The data speeds and the transfer speeds were far too quick and they had to be done had to have been done locally via flash drives and all these different things. Now I'm not a computer scientist. I can only tell you what I've read, but I've read from Bill Binney, who is one of, you know, a very well respected man who's been around and been talking out about government malpractice for a while, but he's also been involved with the NSA. Um, and from uh, a man named the Forensicator, who's put out a bunch of really good in-depth forensic reports on those on that data speed. But, I mean, whether or not you want to believe that, all you need to know about Seth Rich is that he had access to the files in question, and he was murdered in a very sp- suspicious way. And every step of the way with his murder, there have been nothing but lies. And I know... You get a lot of flack because the family just wants it to end. But the DNC immediately hires a press person and comps it and puts it out in front of this family and comforts the family and takes the family essentially out of the picture. Listen, all we want to know is who killed Seth Rich. Why did it happen? When did it happen? If it was just a a botched murder. A botched mugging. Where is this person? Because he hasn't been caught. There's a murder on the loose There's in Washington, a murder on the loose Washington, D.C. And no one cares. And even if that is the case, I still think Seth Rich deserves the justice that he he seems to have been a patriot of yeah. this country. Someone who really loves the United States. He was a Bernie Sanders supporter. And four years later, he's still being talked about. And the FBI is still just now getting to the point where they want to see what files might be on his laptop. Which, if you buy that... I have a bridge to sell you. These people aren't working in your best interest. The FBI is not an honest, trustworthy organization. I don't know what you need to see. I mean, they literally just a few months ago were busted for doctoring an email where someone was asked, they were asked by the, they were asking the CIA, hey, did this person work for you? And the CIA said, sure did. And they then took that email and wrote, no. And then used that to prosecute a guy. So like, if you trust those people, I don't know what to do for you. Okay, so we have – we've talked Bernie. We've talked Trump, sort of. That led to the emails with Hillary, yeah. which leads us to Seth Rich. And then we got to Trump because Trump – everyone kind of felt that Hillary Clinton was corrupt, and they knew that the four, that the eight years of the Obama administration were basically lies. It was hope and change, but it wasn't. It was more of the same. Yeah. So now you can believe one of two things happened in the 2016 election. I mean the 2020 election. One of two things happened. In 2020? In 2020. Either Donald Trump was so unliked by everyone that in four years he went from historic upset to another historic upset the other way. In spite of all the promises he made, in spite of all the the rallies and the numbers of people that are willing to turn out and march for this person all across the country, in spite of the margins he won in states like Ohio and Florida 
and uh, Iowa. In, in spite of all that, he lost to Joe Biden. In spite of Joe, and Joe Biden received more votes in the history more, of American politics. More than Barack Obama. More than Obama. He won eight million more votes than Barack Obama. He lost. 400 more counties across the country than Barack Obama. Barack Obama, I believe, won 800 counties across the country. I believe Joe Biden won like 450 counties across the country. That's but, crazy. But he won the the three most important <laughs> counties in the country. Therefore, the you Detroit, lost. We have to accept that. No fault. That's the one thing. Or you could believe that this was you know a massive theft. But it's one of the those two things at this point. And the idea that that people went out and voted for Joe Biden has to, you have to take into account that people know who Joe Biden is and they rejected him already four years ago. This is something that is really unprecedented in American politics. It's not like Joe Biden is a liked figure. He ran for president three times and lost. He was the vice president to Barack Obama, but Barack Obama's legacy was really tarnished with the loss to Donald Trump in 2016. So if you can't, square the circle, then you have to look to the rule changes that took place leading up to the election and the behavior of the media leading up to the election. So, like, people really upset me when they start to dishonestly say things like prove it in court or there's no evidence or all these things when all I need to tell you is that the playing field wasn't fair and you know it's not fair and you don't care that it's not fair because it benefits you. And that's fine, but just that's I've been saying this to Rachel for weeks. I feel like I'm being held hostage and in a propaganda state, which I am. But, like, it'd be better if my captors would just be honest with us and be like, look, we have all the power. There's nothing you can do. Stop fighting. You're in a jail cell. <laughs> this is it. Stay here. There's nothing you can do about Don't it. Don't piss down my leg and tell me it's raining, though, yes. because that is driving me nuts. Like this idea that if I can't prove it in court, that it didn't happen. Then it didn't happen. But reality is the media never censored a story in American history leading up to a presidential election until the Hunter Biden laptop. Yep. And here we are six weeks later, five weeks later. And it's, they're like, oh, this is happening. Because it's it's last ditch, right? Like, this is the last ditch effort. It was, if we lose here, that's it. We're never getting back in power. And yeah. they threw everything out. They used every possible thing that they could, including the media. And it worked, sort and, of. And if you don't understand that people were talking in 2016 about the the vulnerability of these voting machines. Like, this isn't new. Like, no. I was a Democrat. And I remember being upset on websites like Reddit and Twitter about how vulnerable our elections well, are, how Bernie Sanders was going to be robbed in so, New York. And right, so like we keep we keep coming back to today, and let's keep going back, though. These and aren't new things. After the election of, of 2016, and, and leading right up into the election at this point when, I mean, at what point did you go full-blown like, well, not only am I not voting for Jill Stein, I'm, I'm happily voting for Trump, I'm going to consider myself a Trump supporter. Is that pre-election? Was that... After the day I went and voted and pressed that button, I felt so much pride. I thought it was, I was so certain it was the right thing to do. It, um, it felt like, um, it felt like freedom, baby. It didn't, to me, it didn't feel like freedom. <laughs> it don't, I don't want, at the risk of this sounding hyperbolic, like it's, it felt like saving the country. Yeah. And I truly, truly feel that way. Still to this day, I feel that way. 
And I felt that way on in 2020 even more so when I thought I, I didn't think I was. But when I went into that voting booth in 2020 in Florida on a paper ballot and actually wrote, or not wrote, but circled, filled in that bubble, how good it felt. And here we are in this situation. But yeah, I remember being on, on Reddit, on Twitter, and just being able to be talking about politics, about Bernie, what's going on, and then making that switch and talking with Trump supporters and how good it felt. And like we were fighting for a cause. We knew that the other side was completely corrupt and they had lost all sense of of dealing with that corruption like they didn't care the hillary clinton wing of the democratic party isn't anything other than a power broker for the world stage like what the foundation does who they accept money from then what they do in exchange for the donations they get are documented over a long time now well, that book. So the fact that she was going for president was a slap in the face, and it's a slap in the face that Joe Biden is up because what Hunter Biden does, like I, I get it. It's so hard for people to believe. Maybe because it's so obviously corrupt, they don't want to believe that someone would be so corrupt. But simply trading in on your parents' name is corruption. That's it. And that's what Hunter Biden is on record saying he did. So the difference between when people say, but look at Don Jr., look at Ivanka, Ivanka's business in China. Ivanka Trump has a business, like an actual business. Hunter Biden's business is being the son of Joe, Joe Biden. Biden. And it's throughout the entire Biden career. And it's not just his son, it's his entire you know, family. You know what really pisses me off? Going back to to like the 2016 election, like right before the election. And people being given the choice of like Trump and Hillary, right? And there was a lot of people who I thought were going to go Trump that didn't. And they they stayed with Hillary and then for the past 4 years they they've just stuck by the Democrat side and it's crazy to me. Um Lawrence Lessig, yeah. who's a brilliant mind. He has that TED talk about what's the problem with the election. And he talks about yeah. how the election doesn't work and the system doesn't work and until we get money out of politics none of our causes matter whether that causes climate change universal health care uh protecting our borders any of that but how trump becomes a bigger a bigger threat and i my theory on that is this person along with so many others we're, we're given the opportunity of like all right put your money where your mouth is leave risk it for your country then now is your chance if you want to end what you say you want to end vote for trump vote for trump and they didn't because they they, they saw their trump. captors and they refused to leave them but i think that there's honestly people who think that trump is some sort of Evil. actual monster yes but even if that but my argument to those people from the beginning were always that even if donald trump were the monster you think he is he's being sent in alone to a place where everyone there are also monsters so like it's fine like, give this guy a chance at those people. Let them fight it out. And that's what these four years have been. That's why I love him so much. Yes. Because he fights these people who I hate, who have, again, my captors. The government in this situation, if you're an American citizen, I really honestly believe on both sides of the aisle, conservative, Democrat, you have very few allies in government that are working for you. They are working actively to sell you out to make themselves rich all the time, very often, very frequently. And in, in collective, the overwhelming 
when the overwhelming majority of the decisions our politicians are making are for the benefit of lobbyists rather than the American people, over the last few decades, it's resulted in the middle class being gutted. It is a class war on you. Which is so scary to me, <laughs> like how fast these people want it to get rid of Trump and put these Those same people, people back. back. What? Yeah, it's why? crazy. No, why? why? Trump was good. What happened in the <laughs> past? For, take COVID out of it, because I, I fucking can't stand it. So take COVID out of it and just talk about before COVID what, what Trump was doing. What was wrong with Trump's America? No. What didn't you like? No. You didn't like your 401k growing? Yeah, that must suck. The peace deals. You didn't, you didn't like the peace deals in the Middle East? You didn't like not starting new wars? You didn't like record low unemployment for black Americans? You didn't like millions of jobs coming back into this country? Patriotism. You didn't like that? But what you do like is electing someone who's already in the pocket of a foreign country, who's not going to work for you, who's going to get us right back into the Paris Climate Agreement and all the, the TPP, all that shit. Let's go right back into that. Let's continue to just sell ourselves out and turn into a fucking wasteland of so that, socialist ruin. So that the globe can be controlled by China. And meanwhile, hey, let's throw a pandemic into it. And while we have people panicking and begging for us to protect them, we will install these measures to lock them down and to beg us for security in mass vaccinations. So you're asking for it. These people are asking for it. Many people are. And it's and it's so frustrating. And I, I keep, you know, like there's that saying of well, the president really can't do much, and you know it's only four years or eight years. Then not anymore, right? Like I I think that's gone. Gone are the days where it's like, all right, our guy lost. Let's just we're at war. With we're at war. We're, we're at war, war right now. We have been for a long time, but we are, we are currently so at war. So at each other. Yeah. And it's a political war. There's a it's a boiling but, point. But there are places around the country right now where it is turning hot. It's been hot in Seattle. It's been hot in Portland. It's getting hot in DC. Like it's it's hot on the ground in places where sides are clashing in the streets, where people really don't like each other right now. Do you now. know why? Do you know why? Because you cheated. No, well, our guy. Wait. Well, one of the if I the the thing about the courtroom, the thing about the courtroom is. When they say that, there's no evidence. If I were a judge, or if I were a, a lawyer, my first exhibit would be their own behavior. Because people who know they're winning don't change the rules to benefit themselves deliberately before a contest very close. At the protest of the other side. So, like, I know in New Jersey when Phil Murphy unilaterally changed our voting laws, I was very upset. I know around the country people were resistant to the idea of expanding mail-in ballots for this exact purpose. On both sides of the aisle, this outcome was exactly predicted. And it was for a reason, because it was rigged. That's what rigged yes. means. There was a reason why Bernie Sanders explained <laughs> what was going to happen. Yes. Trump's going to win day of. There was a but reason... don't worry, wait for the, the voting to catch up. and then. There was a reason why conservatives believed that the mail-in ballots would lead to this exact outcome where... There'd be a swell of late ballots that would put Joe Biden ahead, and Democrats were saying that that would be called the red mirage, and that's crazy. It shouldn't be contingent on mail-in ballots, because you can't verify that system. The system itself is more vulnerable. The idea that you would want to change the rules to a more vulnerable system this close to such a contested election is not good faith, in my opinion. No. So because we're not arguing on good faith, I can't 
tolerate you saying that there's no evidence and I need to beat you in a courtroom. But if I were in a courtroom, Exhibit A would be your behavior. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden did not campaign. Kamala Harris is one of the most disliked politicians in American politics. Her approval rating is generally pretty low. She's not very favorable in her likability. How did she manage to sweep the nation without campaigning? How did she win so many people over? And she really didn't, because if you look at the amount of counties they won, not very many compared to Barack Obama, but somehow they ended up with an insane percentage of votes. This is the statistical anomalies that jump off the page that have been explained in lawsuit after lawsuit that get dismissed by judges for no standing, but the actual merits of the argument are never ever addressed, are mind-boggling. These statistical anomalies in any other country, if you were looking at it objectively, you would say, wow, that's a banana republic because that election was rigged. Well, what went, what made the rounds this week on, on Twitter was that guy in China talking about American politics and how what he's talking about is like, you, the American people don't understand their own political system. He's like, we understand it, but they don't. They don't understand that none of it's real. It's all a show. It's all money. And you really don't have any say in anything. Thanks. Yes. Thanks. That's great. I, I, when I And you watch that video and you feel sick to your stomach, but they've been exploiting it for years. And them saying like, oh, you know, it's going to be much better with Joe Biden in there because, you know, we kind of own him. They're saying it, man. China. Goddamn. Have a little pride. Oh, this election was stolen. Whether or not you even want to say Forget whether the mar oh, you can't prove enough was manipulated so that the election would overturn the results. Forget overturning the results. What about free and fair? It wasn't free and fair. Forget the fact that the rules were changed, that the signatures weren't verified, that the voting machines are controlled by George Soros, and that they tabulate half percentage points of votes and take votes away from, from, uh, from Trump, and they lost memory cards all across the country. Forget all of that. Let's just talk about the behavior of the media that is clearly on the side of the Democratic Party, and that includes Fox News, who was one of the biggest culprits because they called Arizona a state that wasn't decided for weeks immediately, and they refused to call Florida for a day. Yeah. So, like, these people are corrupt, all of them. I don't care. And it's not corruption. It's not always malevolent. But when you're talking about someone like, let's give an example, nothing personal, uh, Chris Hayes on MSNBC, who makes $30,000 an episode, you can't expect him to represent your interest when he's giving you the news. $30,000 an episode. But this is, what, this is what I've been saying, or what we've been saying, really, is there's no such thing as news. You watch entertainment political shows. Yes. News doesn't exist, hasn't existed for a while. The average American citizen who wants to know what's going on has no way to actually do that. You have to, in my opinion, I think the only true way to get an idea is to be insanely active on Twitter, follow people you you like but also trust and and read as much as you possibly can from every different source you can. But trust none of it. But trust none of them. And, <laughs> and then the make thing. your own opinion based on all the bullshit. Because because just turning on CNN, just turning on Fox News, just turning on MSNBC, you're broken. You're broken. Those you're aren't broken. those aren't news. You those aren't answers. You're being fed a script. Because how many times have I brought up a topic to people who I know are MSNBC watchers or CNN watchers, knowing full well what their response is going to be before that response is ever said. 
because they're, they're like getting coached. It's fucking crazy. These people watch the TV all day. They get coached into what to say, and then you bring up a point, and they say exactly what they're they're being told to say. It's impressive. It is. They're great students. They just don't know that their teacher is lying to them. But that's everyone. That's the. I mean, that's the curse of our society today. Like none of it is. That's why we're at each other's throats. It's really works to the benefit of the powers that be. And this is why. Before I was a Trump supporter with the Bernie, if you go to my blog, saladtheearth.com, go read some of the stuff from like 2016, 2017, I talk a lot about the class divide and how us fighting each other is keeping us from, you know, doing anything. Fixing the issue. And with the QAnon stuff that gets attacked in the media all the time, that's pretty much the main message of QAnon is that if you're divided, it's not going to work. Together we'll have a chance. Where we go one, yes. we go all, right? Well, the the left-right divide in this country that is devolving into a, from a cold civil war into a hot civil war slowly is something that's caused by the corruption of one party behind the scenes, and they want there to be the illusion that it's two parties that are doing it to drive us apart. Because if we don't turn our attention to the powers that be, which are the money behind the scenes on both sides, that includes McConnell, it includes Lizzie Graham, it includes all of them, really, at this point, we'd all be better served by just sending a delegation of, of civil people, just regular citizens, to Philadelphia. And I think the military can be descended on our house, for me even saying this, this is probably... Like close to treason. I don't actually think anyone should actually do this. I apologize. I'm just saying. It's in the best interest of the American people probably if we just sent our own constitutional Congress to Philadelphia and wrote, rewrote a new constitution and just oh, circumvented the U.S. Yeah. government altogether. No, I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> but don't we, we come kinda, after me. We kinda, I don't we want kinda, anything to do with it. We kind of said this just an idea is in the car a couple – weeks ago and i was talking about the boston tea party <laughs> and like how cool it must have been back then to like, like i would love just to be a fly on the wall <laughs> what the, the frustration finally built like, to a point where we said fuck you <laughs> fuck your tea bam into the boston <laughs> harbor and i keep waiting for like that moment's coming for one of our sides oh whether God. it's our side or their side so it's there's a lot of crazies on both sides something but could happen what i what i know for sure for sure, is if you instill Joe Biden, Joe Biden actually is there on inauguration day, and he becomes the president, it's not going to be your side who does the, the tipping. It's going to be our side. I don't know about that. And I, oh, I think so. Because here's why. What are they going to? What do they have to be mad about? Because the problem is, and this is where it's really a sad state of affairs. <laughs> The left and right in this country aren't... See, the left doesn't identify necessarily with Joe Biden either now at this point. Like, the fringe well, the fringe at, progressive left of AOC... Look what, Black, them, look what Black Lives Matter tweeted. The actual, like, Black Lives Matter account. Yeah. We offered a, a, a meeting with Joe Biden 30 days ago. He has not answered. No fucking shit. You actually thought Joe Biden was going to talk to you and do anything for you? Do you guys pay any attention to what's going that, on? No, the, you just get angry and bitch. And that's not Black Lives Matter getting angry and bitch. That's the left. They get angry and bitch. But see, here's the, the thing, though. We're still opposed on left and right, but there's also a center divide. So, like, we're all just kind of pitted against each other now. If it splits, it's going to split down the middle, and you have China's intervention, 
which also factors in. So you have all these different competing elements. There's really no chance for an actual hot war to actually develop in any there's meaningful one, way. There's because one. if I were China, I would just invade Alaska. But it doesn't matter. And then we got a Fallout 4 situation going because then the Here's, nukes... No, 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 no. Hold on. Dig you're your missing, bunkers. You're missing, you're missing the point. <laughs> and not the point. Not That's not the word. You're missing the, the reset button. You're missing the big green button that's in the middle that we all ignore and Trump's haven't been talking... No, 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 no. Oh. Not even that. The big thing we've all been ignoring forever. Okay. Fucking aliens, man. <laughs> no. Like but that's even worse. We've now, over the past four years under Trump, we've talked about like declassification, how much stuff we want. Yeah. Aliens have all... Well, aliens are Well, confirmed. that's what I think this China stuff it's, is, too. It's happened with the FBI. They came out with their with their videos and like, yeah, I'm like, I mean, or the Navy it was. Yeah, but... And then just last week, we had the... The Israel guy. The Israelian... A space head of their space protection department was like, "Yeah, the like aliens are here. They've been here, but they're not ready." Well, it, we, you better be ready. We better be ready. Cause like, are the aliens just gonna watch us? But here's the, my problem with all that. I don't trust these people. I think I think aliens have been here. I think aliens and us have been in contact. But now this declassification, especially if it's being rolled out by the malevolent forces that have been corrupt forever. It's all just shit. Yeah, like it's gonna be like you know the old like David Icke reptilian shit that he would his conspiracy theories about like reptilian shapeshifters and all yeah. that. Well, let's just say hypothetically the aliens. Oh, aliens have been here this whole time. It would definitely be like more like the reptilian shapeshifters and the good old fashioned like, hey, we want what's best for you. We'd all just then be enslaved to like some alien race or something. I hope not. That's why we need. Look, I don't know. I, we need just. We can't just settle for what we're told. That's the point of all of it. If they're just come out and say, "Here are the aliens. This is it." No, declassify everything. What do you know? Joe, what do you know? Joe Biden. I need to know. It. One time and Kamala. One time person of person of the year. Yeah. What. What did either of those two fucking imbeciles actually do to deserve being Time Person of the Year? Time usually just picks whoever wins the election, but I think more interesting... They did nothing. But I think more interesting is how they frame each election, because when it's a Republican, Time's Person of the Year is framed as like some malevolent force. It's like a devil horn it's on like Trump. Like the end of democracy. The and then Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are on the cover like... They're like, like angels. angels. There's like <laughs> and, light in the back. And it's like, oh, your savers are America's here. America's redefined America. It's all much better. And, and that's why I get so frustrated, though. It's like, and then Hitler was the person of the year. And I he feel was like the lauded. I, I keep saying like the left and the left, the left. Like I don't want to say it's, the left, but there's say the establishment forces. No, but it's not the establishment forces. I'm talking about like the actual people who support these people. Democrat voters. Why aren't they skeptical about anything? Some of them are. But a many, lot aren't. Aren't. many aren't. A lot aren't. A lot, and I guess there's a lot of Republicans who aren't either, right? Like conspiracy theorists are the ultimate skeptics, and people who call people conspiracy theorists are the least skeptical people on the face of the earth. Yeah, like you just take everything <laughs> you're told at face value. If it's coming from a verified source, the people at Twitter, when Twitter puts that stupid fucking message, dude, I, I'm so fucking sick verified of it. sources dispute this. But people, Trump could tweet about the weather. Yeah. Oh, uh, just so you know, he's not the president. <laughs> he's not the president according to AP poll. Also, who the fuck is the AP? They're French, actually. 
Like, who's the AP? Why do they? Why do they get to be the ones on They're every the main tweet? New- they decided the presidency. But this is what I'm talking about. So, like, we don't recognize, and I've been saying this to you for years, which is why we have a podcast now because now I can say it to you again. But people will hear it for the first time, and that is, everything is corrupt, every institution, and that includes the media. But it's not new corruption, right? This is decade. It's like making a copy of a copy of a copy. As the institution gets more corrupt and they slide in their quality control of weeding out their own corruption, the system gets worse. Yeah. But if you look at something like the AP, which has a reputation built over 150 years of being a quality news service, but over 150 years, it rewards the same kind of malpractice that then gets lauded to being good practice, the whole system is wonky because it just is a this bizarre world image of itself our police forces are corrupt because no nothing there's no mechanism in place well we okay to root it out it's everywhere it's interesting that you bring that up because back with when george floyd um when that brought more unrest about police brutality police brutality is always a really interesting subject because me and you, you this kind of goes back to our whole theme of this podcast of going back in time go back in time let's talk about ferguson yeah let's talk about tamir rice and these issues and you'll find us on, I think, the same side that we're on today. Yeah, which they're is, real issues. It's a real issue. But, what people, but it's not a race issue primarily. It's not a race issue. Primarily. It is a, there may be some race issues along with it. Yes. But the main issue is it's is a corruption, corruption issue. Yes. Corruption. These police forces don't have to answer to anybody. They're, the police forces, in, especially in big cities, are the the essentially strong arm of corrupt politicians. So, like, so you want to you want to fix police brutality through defunding the police, which I think is crazy. I say no. I say let's make sure the police departments are running properly and corrupt free, free of corruption. And the only way to do that is start pl- getting rid of the corruption at the top. Well, this goes back to my trickle down corruption economics. This is, goes back to the joke I made earlier that could be interpreted by a high court as sedition, but That's right. it's no clearly one's, no a joke. One's listening to this. I know. But it's almost better off if we just started from the ground up everywhere. Like just saying, yeah. wow, the system all over the place is so corrupt. Like literally when you look at how laws are passed in Washington DC, it's based on bribery. But I think legalized bribery. But I, and I think that's kinda it's funny because again, this the theme of today's episode has been like where we are. Like if I would have had to take one of those political tests Five years ago, it would have put me like left, but it might almost put me socialist. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. If I I've taken them since, and as much as I'm a, I'm a Trump supporter, I lean very heavy libertarian. Yeah. I'm so over this big heaping <laughs> pile of garbage government called the federal government that we pay so much in taxes. Well, they do to, nothing. They do nothing. They do nothing. We we are, we live in a big diverse country. Let's give the states more power. That way, shit like this, when the president is Joe Biden, and now people like me and you have to live under him, it's bullshit. Give us a state that represents our rights better. And I know you, there are conservative states that you can move to. Move to it's a little different. But I really think it, we need a complete redoing of that where state governments get completely overhauled and turned into what eventually the future of this country will be. Well, then when you look at the Texas lawsuit that got rejected by the Supreme Court and the response to it from the Republican Party, it sounds like we're headed to a, 
I've been saying about Civil War, and I made jokes peaceful, on my Facebook about peaceful split, amicable divorce. Yeah, but the Republican Party of Texas put out a statement that essentially implied that they were willing to secede. Yeah, I mean, this is you're not you're getting but Texas into, has tried that before, but but this time I think they're gonna have a lot more support. But it doesn't matter about any of that. All that matters is the moment that we're in is is giving you signs back in 2016 you i don't know if you took it from somewhere if you read it or if you coined it on your own but you talked about crisis points yeah definitely and how 2016 you can go back and look at other crisis points but 2016 was a big crisis point yeah now we thought that the trump election was kind of a big turning point was going to lead i I'll be i honest. still think it is well i think it is too but i thought 2020 I didn't think we were going to get another one in 2020. I thought Trump winning in 2016 was like, that was it, right? Like, we had finally won. But that was the start. That was the start of the war, not the end. I and think, that's my fault for thinking, thinking I, that. I did too for a while, but I think that I think we're looking at like a decade plus here. Oh, longer. I think. That's going to be really defining. Like, I think we're both going to be well into our, like, 50s. We're going to be looking back. Like, it's crazy. As, I don't want that to sound hyperbolic, but I think we're going to be looking back at this time going, like, wow. wow we, we lived, finally we figured lived, out. We lived through, like, the great changing transition. of our society. Yeah, I think so, too. Because our, so, I, I really believe... Um, One way or another. I've been really... You know, back, back in 2016, we were, like, really into... You're showing me all those good TED Talks. Yeah. So I've been going back and watching them. I just watched another one, the Jared Diamond about societies and when societies die. Oh, yeah, die. love that one. That's a great one. When he, the Vikings ran out of tools. Yeah, like we are <laughs> at the end I think of are, this yeah. society. I, I think this society has gone as far as it goes. Um, but I don't think it ends with uh, the end of, of the human race. I think we just evolve and we, we move. We move on to the next thing. Because this isn't working. And I say this all the time. Look at, like, Europe and how old their establishments are. They've been they've been at it as a country for a really long time. America's really young. We're, we're an infant compared to a lot of these other countries. And this is our first go at it. We put together the Constitution. We put together the Bill of Rights and said, hey— this is how we're going to... Let's try it. This is what we're going to do. We are going to be our own nation. And it was awesome. And it really worked. And we were a global superpower for everyone to look at and say, hey, that's what we're striving to be. We we took people's refugees, right? We Immigrants wanted to come to America. The land of the free. And now corruption has <laughs> ruined it because that's what happens to any good thing. This is why we can't have nice things. And the next thing now needs to happen, which is something new. Well, America 2.0. I think that with Joe Biden, you're kind of... But that's the wrong That's the wrong way. There's like a fork in the road, right? Well, not, There's like... No, because here's what I'm going to say. I think that when Trump won in 2016, remember I was saying like, oh, we're going towards World War III. That's going to be the end goal if Hillary gets in office. I didn't even give Trump a chance really until election day and I really wanted him to win. <clears throat> But with Joe Biden, I don't think we're looking at World War III because I don't think there's a need for China and the United States to fight a no, war. I think we're in it. We're going to fight ourselves. You posted that TikTok yesterday. I think you nailed it. That girl. Oh, That yeah. girl nailed it. Yeah. There's a girl on TikTok. She, she might be like 25 at the oldest. Maybe. But that's but that's my point, too. Like, this is it. Like, this like, is what it is. So if fighting, Joe Biden. We're fighting a war. If Joe Biden, war. If Joe Biden gets in, it's the last hurrah. Like, that's it. Because then the policy will shift towards the globalist 
you four years to just shift the U.S. policy towards a more globalist society is all they'll need to solidify their power, especially if they're stealing elections. Maybe. So, and if we fight each other, if it does turn into an actual and civil they, war, I think that's kind of what that's they want. Right? Even like, better for China. Do they so, care? Like, does, does Joe Biden? <laughs> no. Have any care that if we fight it out? No. No. Good for us. So, Good for him. I mean, that's where we're at. That's the whole theme of this podcast is where we're at today. That's a, that's a fun one. We were all over the place there. Um, if you listened, thank you, thank you um, for sticking with us. Hopefully that was entertaining. Um, do we want to end on something more positive? Do we want to talk about anything? We went and saw Christmas lights this week. <laughs> During the Dolphins game, I kept thinking about – I don't know if I said this on this oh, podcast shit. yet. But optimism is very, is very rarely rewarded. Correct. But actually that's not true. Because by the end of the Dolphin game, even though we lost, there was reasons to be optimistic. And even though we just had this long conversation about how we're really we're, teetering on... We still have on, hope, right? Like, we're not giving up on our lives. Because I do believe that the United States has the potential to band together and to exercise the strength of freedom and logic and justice in order to make the right decision in the long run. So even if Joe Biden... We still have a month, essentially, before... Joe Biden takes office, and I still am not going to believe it's it until close, the day man. he gets it's in there. It's getting fucking close. Trump tweets yesterday, like, we've just begun to fight. And that's the thing. Like, we, How many get him out? I think we're going to keep saying this week after week when we do this. is like, another week has gone by. Trump's not any closer to him looking like he's not going to be president. Yeah. Or him looking like he's going to just give up. So if you guys are banking on him just like, well, they're just going to put Joe Biden in. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. You're, I think you're wrong. Like, yeah. I, I don't think it's just going to be like, he leaves the White House, tweets angrily, we'll see what, and then... We'll see what the Electoral College does. We'll see what the state elect- legislators do. But we'll also see what the American public chooses to do. And what I was going to say is, I think there's reasons to be optimistic, regardless of what side of the aisle you fall on, whether you think that we're seditious uh, traitors. We think the same about you, but there's no reason why we can't be friends in the end. It's not worth fighting each other. The government is not your friend. Joe Biden, I swear... You can say that Trump doesn't care about us. You might be right. I'm willing to agree with you. I know Joe Biden doesn't care about us. I know Kamala Harris doesn't care about us. But regardless of any of that, at least Donald Trump isn't the system. Here's – hold on. You just said Trump may not care about us. Maybe I agree with you. And, and maybe that's true. But Trump cares about America. I think he I does. truly believe in my heart Donald Trump cares about this country. I don't think Joe Biden cares about this country. I think Joe Biden cares about this country insofar as it gives him a platform to be the vice president of it. Joe Biden cares about Joe Biden. Sure. And his family, which is fine. That's most people should. Care about yourself, care about your family. But But, he doesn't care about this country and if it does well. He's not in it for the governing aspect. Like He's not governing. Trump, say what you want about him. He governed for four years. He governed the shit out of this country. And uh, and we're in for an interesting month on how we get him out of office because I think the election was a fraud. This podcast might go like take weird turns depending on what happens over the next We are going to document month. it. It's going to be fun to always kind of have this to go back on no matter what happens. Um, but yeah, whatever side of the aisle you're on, uh, God bless you. We have no... Thank you for listening. It's just politics. These people really are terrible on both sides so don't worry about them have a good night later
shit. Oh, fuck. Do you like that mirror I hung up in here? It's big, right? It's a big mirror. It's a mirror, all right. Behind it is a giant hole I put in the wall trying to hang it up. You can't see it, but if you take it down, it's hanging. (laughs) The first attempt failed. Alright, so we have to decide what studio this is. The. I was going to call it the green room because there's a tree and there's some green accents. But that might be too cliche. Also, none of it is green. Then I was going to call it the uh, penthouse, because we're up top. A little bit of a view. Lakeview. Parkview Lakeview Studio. It's just a redundant. Parkview Lakeview Parkview. We're the main studio at Parkview Studio. Should we go? You got to shut that door and mute the TV. Yeah, mute the TV. Are you going to do it? 